Blog Talk Radio. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now, so why not? Good morning and welcome to Dynamic Words Bible Studies. And Where that we was have not little, it. Little technical <laughs> difficulties here. But, you know, that wasn't a technical difficulty. That was a brain difficulty. It's just too early in the morning for me. Hi, <laughs> guys. You don't stay up until 2 a.m. I know, right? So, uh, hi, I'm your host, Felicia DeRosier, my amazing co-host. is my son. Cross and Pongo. Cross and Pongo. We're missing Mariah today. She's actually out of state. She's out of state. She's actually in a plane right now. I would have totally told her to call in from out of state, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess if she's literally in the air, she has an excuse, right? <laughs> and, and we are joined by an amazing co- uh, our, our special guest, um, and this is Lindsay Hansen. We're going to say hello. Hi there. How are Hi. you? Hi, guys. <laughs> it's good to talk to you today. We're, of course, going to hear from her more a little later as she's going to tell us her testimony. But um, as is our nature, because we don't want to forget our commercials. Uh, go to commercial. we got to go to commercial break first, because if we don't do it first, it's going to get forgotten. So now I'm going to push that button again, which is now the right button, and we'll see you in just about three minutes. Are you sure? We all know that times no. are tough, and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet, as well as the landfill. Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal, or overstocked, or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money on your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. I've heard stories from teachers in classes where their students are grounded that they have half the level of referrals for discipline. Some students who were in tears because they were experiencing success when before they were experiencing failure with their behavior and discipline. I've heard stories from teachers with autistic children who have been grounded where they have less of what they call the meltdowns. And the meltdowns are less frequent and shorter and they come back into the classroom and they're learning more than they had learned prior to the grounding. It's amazing what happens not just with the teacher at the front of the class, but what can happen with the student sitting in the class. And just think if every single student and every single teacher and every single classroom and every single school 
across this whole world was grounded. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Hey, Freedomist Proof here. Just want to let everybody know that I have a trusted source for EMF protection. So you can block out this 5G possibly from your cell phone or any other electronic devices. Go to groundwithgia.com and please check out the selection of products that you might need to help filter out all this electronic garbage that's going to get into your house and to your life. So most of us have cell phones except for me. You're going to want to protect yourself. We all have Wi-Fi, and you definitely want to do something about this. Please check it out, groundwithgia.com. That's groundwithgia.com. All right, guys, so we're back, and I'm really excited today about today's teaching. Hit home today. It hit home today. In fact, it hits home every week because we do it at home. Wow. <laughs> that was like, are you like in dead joke training, bro? That was awesome. <laughs> oh, that was fabulous. So, yeah, I, I, I do. I'll, I'll give you that. I do the study at home, so it does hit home every time. But I totally have a personal story and I, I definitely feel some sort of way about the scripture. Um, and, and I think that that kind of gave me some insight on it because I think in a, in a quick reading, if it's not something that really applies to you, um, you, you may not catch that. So cross, would you like to pray us in today? Sure. All right. So, uh, yeah. Hats um, off, huh? If you're wearing a hat, take it off. Apparently <laughs> the boy scout and him can't not say hats off. When the chaplain's day, I pray in and out every time. I have to say hats off in and out every time. And I don't have to. Do it. Anyway, <laughs> Lord God, uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you did for us. Thank you that we're able to come on an amazing show with our awesome host, who happens to be my mom, and our amazing guest today, and uh, our amazing dog today. And and uh, we hope the show goes well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I am so excited for Lindsay to be able to join us today. I'll give her a more proper introduction when we get to that second half. But um, she is, I, I, I only have gotten to know Lindsay well over the last couple of months, and she is so amazing. So I think she's going to really be able to add into what we have going on today. So today let's open up. We're going to start with our scripture, Romans chapter 14. If you're following along in your Bible, open up to verses... Uh, 1 through 12, I will read them out loud for everyone to hear. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. 
The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God while he, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and no one of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live unto the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Okay, so a lot going on in that verse there. Um but I really relate to it. Uh, now, I'm going to explain a little bit for those of you who may not be super familiar with the particular quarrels that are going on here. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, the Bible, of course, is such a wonderful guide on how we should live. But in the early church, Jewish believers were really accustomed to having minor points of the law very clearly defined by other people. Okay. So they had the laws that was presented to Moses, but then they also had like over 600 very specific and narrow rules about how their behavior and conduct should be in order to, to adhere to those laws properly. Does that make sense? Yeah. So to say something like um, keep the Sabbath day holy, for example, one of the commandments, we know that's important, right? Um, they had all these minutiae things defined, like how far they could walk on the Sabbath day, literally how many steps they could take off their own property. So, so like, um, so they, they're just supposed to just lay around home every day, like a lazy. Kid no, no, just on the Sabbath. Time. On the Sabbath day, it was supposed to be that you weren't supposed to do any work. Well, if you're not supposed to do any work, what's considered work? Could you save your donkey if it fell into a crevice? Sure. That's not really okay, but that wasn't defined. That wasn't, that wasn't defined, so they had to define these things, okay? So um, one of the things they used to do, for example, is they would run, like, a piece of yarn off of their property, and as long as they were touching the piece of yarn, it was considered their property. <gasps> so if they could walk a little further, oh, so they could make smart. it all the way to the synagogue. Right, okay? So they had all these little laws. Okay, they, they were smart, but they had all these little laws that defined how to keep the Sabbath holy. Does that make sense? Rather than just a broad general idea of keeping the Sabbath holy, okay? Um, so the thing was that their newfound freedom was not actually likely a comfort to those people who were used to living by the law because they had been accustomed all their lives to having these specific parameters and keeping them, and then all of a sudden, it, it, it's almost like you have the rug ripped out from under you. Now you're just trying to figure out how to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, but there's no parameters there. How do I do that? Okay. Um, that's kind of scary for some people, isn't it, don't you think? Um, and, and I'm personally not like this, okay, because I come from that. Uh, I'm going to discuss the other background, okay. Um, so I didn't come from a legalistic upbringing. I came from a very free upbringing. So, but people who did, I, I totally know people in our own family even who are challenged when they don't have specific guidelines 
uh, and that doesn't feel um, joyful for them. Let's put it that way, okay? Um, and so without these specific guidelines, it really must have felt scary for them to determine how to live rightly before God. And this is a big deal. You know, um, let us not forget that God is the God of the universe. Um, and, and you do really want to please him. And it's hard when you're like, I don't really know how. And this is where they were coming from. Um, so even though the Bible gives us lots of specific direction on how to live, we spend a lot of time, energy, and resources in spaces, spaces that were never specifically noted in Scripture because of when it was written. Things like what should we read or watch on TV, how long should we spend on our phones, what should we eat, how often should we go to the gym, and where should we spend our time. Like we have to make all those decisions, and we want to make them to honor God, you know, they didn't talk about what to watch on TV there. Please don't. didn't exist. Right. Not specifically, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure if they did, they'd probably have guidelines on, like, not to watch, uh, like, these murder crime shows. But I like those. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. So watching people die. Uh, well, okay. No, 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 no. It's all acting. It's ketchup. Okay, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> So, so here's the thing, is that there are generalities that we can apply, right, okay, um, but it doesn't necessarily say you can't watch this specific show on TV or read this specific book. You know, we're having to pray through and apply generalities, and that's different. Um, so sometimes we like rules, too, but freedom in Christ opens us up to a lot that the Jews were considering sin all of their lives until now. Um, and, and you can start to preemptively look this up because we're going to talk about this. Um, this section of scripture actually highlights two areas of contention for early church members that were causing division and causing some believers to look down on their brothers. The first one was the issue of what to eat. Here Paul is using the most extreme example that one person would eat anything but another person only vegetables. But these weren't likely the kind of vegans that we think about today, okay? They're, they're not just going around saying that they're not eating animals because they love animals and stuff like that. That's not what this is about, okay? Um, there were three potential issues with the meat that may have been um, a problem for a mindful Jewish Christian and maybe why they would refuse to eat meat entirely. Um, remember, you would go to a market to buy meat. You weren't going down to the grocery store getting this prepackaged meat, but you were buying whatever the person in the market had, okay? Right. So the first problem is that they lived in Rome, and a lot of the meat was first consecrated and offered to one of Rome's idols as an offering. Right, that's how they lived. That's, that's how they lived. So if you go into a Roman market, there's going to be quite a bit of meat there that is going to be offered to an idol first, Okay. Um, being in Rome, it's also unlikely that it was handled according to Jewish custom and therefore probably not kosher. And then, of course, if we remember in the law, there were all these kinds of, of meat products um, based on whether they had like a cloven hoof or like, for example, they, they didn't eat pork, right, because it's considered unclean. So there's all I mean, these pigs are kind of unclean. But like... <laughs> They're pretty gross, um, but bacon's good. Okay, right. so, so I'm not going to stop eating bacon. <laughs> I like bacon. I agree. Pigs are gross, but. So there were all, all sorts of varieties of meat products that were not considered okay for a good kosher Jew to eat. And so 
if they grew up that way all their lives, they're kind of traveling into Christianity with this in their in their wheelhouse, okay? So can you imagine showing up to the church potluck? As right, you're like already laughing, okay? I mean, I'm sure they had church potlucks, right? They said that they broke bread together. That doesn't mean that they're just having communion together. They're eating together, right? And so um, your your previously kosher good boy Jewish guy uh, comes up, and there's pork on the menu. There's meat, and he's not sure if it's been dedicated to an idol. Um, So he doesn't know if that's okay, and he doesn't know whether or not it's been handled in a kosher way. And how is he feeling at the church potluck right now? Like super out of place. He can't eat, right? And then to like fuel the fire, those people who are living in freedom, usually these are going to be those Gentile uh, Christians, right, Um, are looking down on him because he's not experiencing the freedom that is available to him in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So I can really understand these concerns. Now, just so we know, these are not bad people. There's nothing wrong with these people. In fact, we're going to talk about Peter real quick because we're going to see that Peter actually expresses the exact same concern. We would never consider him weak in the faith, right? Nope. No, like like he was. I mean, what, what, what I heard someone say once, I remember who it was. I think it was off a YouTube video, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, they said that uh, Peter's mouth always ran faster than his brain. It, it probably did. I and I am familiar with that ailment. Um, <laughs> so let's check out um, Acts chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 16. I already got that pulled up for you. Cool. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> Read it nice and loud. We're going to get closer to the microphone. We don't want you to miss it. Uh, Peter's, Peter's vision. At about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill, and surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything um, impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call in anything impure that God has made pure. 16. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Okay. So this dream was actually not about food. Okay. Also, something I want to point out. Yeah. Uh, I know what it's about. Okay. And uh, something I want to point out in my Bible, mm-hmm. when the vo- the voice called out to him, it's red. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, so, so that's implying that the voice is the voice of Jesus. For right. Sure. Right. Got right. it. Okay. So um, I like that observation. It's really cool. So, um, so really, we we know in the context, okay, that this is not about food, but it applies to food, and this is how we apply scripture. Okay. I know about. Okay. Well, I'll let you explain it. So hang hang on just a second. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to make the point that. Um, when scripture doesn't speak specifically about something um, that we want to encounter, uh, this is kind of the way that God expects us to do is to look at examples that are in the Bible and then apply them to our modern situation, okay? So this situation that's in the Bible talks about how P- 
Peter is so pure in following the Jewish law on what should be eaten that he won't even get up and eat in a dream something that's not pure. Like, this is (laughs) – bravo, Peter. Okay, that's awesome. You don't even wonder what that tastes like. He says, no, no, it may be a dream, but I'm still not going to eat it, right? Honestly, I would have – it said he was very hungry, and I'm just like, okay, honestly, if I was a Jew and that happened to me in a dream, I'd be like, heck yeah, come on, get me a fork. Let's go. It's the buffet, right? Okay. (laughs) So, so, um, so you can eat pigs and birds and right, right. So, so you go ahead and tell us very briefly what that dream was actually about. Cause we don't want people to think that we don't know. Right. So the dream wasn't actually referring to food. It was referring to the Gentiles and how like, um, they weren't part of like, like the, uh, covenant family. That's where I was looking for. Right. And like, uh, they were, they were, like, considered to be, like, not, they weren't Jews, so they were just um, looked down on by the Jews, and most people said that they couldn't be Christians, but uh, that that God came here for the Jews, too. Or for the Gentiles, as well. Gentiles, right? yeah. So, so, so here's the thing, is that God is about to call him to do some things that would be against all of those very minutia type of laws. Oh, when he goes over to the Roman soldier's house? Because, um, let's go to Cornelius' Cornelius's house, right? Cornelius. And And they weren't allowed in the homes of Gentiles. So, <laughs> so God uses this dream, okay, about the unclean food to express to him that he has made some things clean that were previously unclean to them, okay? Makes sense? Um, yeah, I very much enjoy that. So, okay, so um, so the next area of contention then appears in this brief reference to the Sabbath day observation. It talks about some people holding one day special, others not. Okay, now remember, <laughs> Jews had a ton of rules regarding the observation of Sabbath, and they took this extremely seriously. It's not a principle that the Gentiles among them would likely have observed, like that wasn't even a thing, Okay. So each group likely looked down upon the others. Um, the law-observing Jews would have viewed the loose-living Gentiles as being less spiritual and weak in the area of holiness. Um, and the freedom-loving Gentiles would have considered it a weakness that their Jewish brothers weren't trusting in the freedom of the cross. So let's look here at First <laughs> Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. So you said cross, and that's my name. Ah, that is your name, isn't it? Go ahead. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Okay. So um, so now you're kind of entering into this whole thing of I have the right to do something, but does it benefit me, right? Right. Is it beneficial to my walk with God? Uh, does that benefit the kingdom of God? So there's all these different hmm, things. Interesting. Yeah. So so now um, Paul is going to give us the key to determining how to live a holy life and to enjoy freedom before the Lord. Um, and he starts off in verse 5 saying that each one should be fully convinced in his mind. How do I become fully convinced in, in my mind of something like, um, I don't know, um, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't shop at a certain store, or maybe I shouldn't watch a certain television show or read a certain book, or, um, you know, maybe my conviction is that I should or should not drink, right? Okay. Um, 
So the first thing he says is to know your own convictions. Now, I want to talk about um, a time when I'm, I'm going to talk about something that I observe as a Christian that is what I would call a personal conviction, okay? So personal conviction. It doesn't apply to everybody else. You know lots of good Christians who do not do this, and they are fantastic spirit-filled Christians, okay? Nothing wrong with them, okay? But um, it, it mattered to me because it was specifically as a Christian one of the first times I can remember God speaking very directly to me in something that I should or should not partake in. And I was in college. I was a communications major which means that we were studying all sorts of things about broadcasting and, and television and all this sort of thing. And I remember the Lord speaking to me very clearly that I should abstain from watching R-rated films. Now, let me just put this out there. I had just turned 18. This was just becoming a possibility for me, you know. You can watch R-rated movies when you're 17. Well, back then it was 18. Okay. So anyway, this is just becoming a thing. And so, and I really felt the Lord was very specific with me that I really shouldn't watch R-rated films. So to this point, I want to say I can count on my hand the amount of R-rated films that I have watched. And amongst them are like Schindler's List and The Passion of the Christ, okay, where I actually went and prayed about those films specifically as to whether or not I should watch them. Okay. okay, but the Passion of the Christ, like I get why you want to watch that one. Right, That's right. One. So, um, so in this case, it was um, my takeaway there is to pray about how God wants you to live. There's really no shortcut to this, guys. Like if you're seeking what God wants you to do, He's going to answer you. Um, especially if you are absolutely convicted that you're going to follow uh, the guidance that He gives you. So that was like the first time that I was like, wow, God took the time to speak to me about this. I'm going to abstain from watching R-rated films. There's plenty of entertainment out there. And actually, if I'm being realistic, I don't watch a lot of PG-13 rated films too because I find their content to be pretty objectionable most of the time. Um, so uh, number two. <laughs> the only time I watch PG-13 is when Dad's like, hey, want to watch Avengers? Right, and Spider-Man or Avengers. It was Avengers yeah. a couple of times. So um, let's look at verse 4. It also says not to judge others according to your own personal conviction. Um, if I observe an area of freedom that is causing a friend to stumble, pray if God wants me to talk to them. So, so okay, we've got two, two little issues here, okay? Um, so remember I said, like, God spoke to me and said, I don't watch R-rated films. I also, I, I don't do a lot of things. I don't drink. Um, that. Now, when I look at my friends, I have friends who are Christians who drink. I have friends who are Christians who watch our rate of film. Jesus drank wine. He did. So, so that was so that's a personal conviction for me. There is some reason, there's some fleshly weakness in me that God knows about, and He said not to do this. Do you see what I'm saying? So I don't partake in that. But that doesn't mean that everybody has the same area of weakness in their flesh. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, I have observed in some friends before where a certain habit or something that they were doing was destructive for them, and they were Christian. And in love, I've kind of pulled them aside and said, hey, have you prayed about whether or not God really wants you partaking of this habit or doing this thing? You know what I mean? Um, I think that I remember talking to you, Cross, once about a book series that you were reading. Mm -hmm. 
Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And I had just picked up on when you were reading that more often, you had a bad attitude, right? And so it may be a very small thing, but I picked up on that and I was like, so, hey, bro, let me ask you a question. Have you observed this about yourself? Have you prayed about whether or not this is really a series that God wants you to watch or to listen or to read? And I said, I'm going to leave that decision up to you. Go pray about it, right? Um, now, I don't know how much time you spent praying about it or if you just made a decision based on my recommendation. But when you stopped reading it so much, what did you find? I had a better attitude towards, like, everything. Right, right. So in gentleness and love, you can totally bring this up to people. Do you know what I'm saying? But that's not to say that we judge them based on what their decisions are, based on our own personal convictions. Um, and then three, finally, live your life however you're called for Jesus. I mean, I'm pulling this from verses 6 through 9 and verse 12. Um, how, how will I know that I'm, like, both living in God's freedom from bondage and also staying safely away from the bondage of sin and flesh? There's no real shortcut. Just spend time with God. And respond to his direction. Um, Go into prayer and ask God. Um, I I was always very determined not to partake of a certain activity, not not to move until I hear from the Lord. And when you're that serious about it, um, he's pretty faithful to answer you. Okay? Um, So what I would say as hints when you go in, number one, ask God to clear your mind of selfish motivations or thoughts. Okay, because like a lot of times I'm going to go into prayer and I'm already thinking what I really want, you know, so I have to be like, okay, Lord, help me out here. (laughs) Like, Like, so this is going wrong. This is going wrong. I know you feel so bad for me, right? Uh, There's this one thing I want. (sighs) Right. So um, be 100% open to do whatever he calls you to do in complete obedience. Mm -hmm. So if he calls you to do that thing you don't want, you have to be determined to do it. Like, and that's the hardest part for me. Like, it, it's rough, but I have to be determined to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this no matter what. Um, number three, be patient in waiting on him. Don't don't give up. Oh, well, he, it's been 10 minutes. He didn't answer me. <laughs> I'm going to go watch that movie anyway. No, don't give up, okay? And the goal is always to honor and to glorify God. Like, you you know, really we can wait on his timeline on just about everything because honestly, um, there's nothing in this life that's that big of an emergency. Like, really, if he doesn't give you an answer right away, most of the time, is that a huge deal? Yeah. No, not really. So, um, so that was it for my study today. Woo! Um, we kind of flew through that. Lindsay, did you have anything to add before we cu- cut to commercial? Yeah, so actually, while you were talking, I appreciate everything that you said, um, but God brought to my, the forefront of my mind, um, Galatians 3.23, um, before the coming uh-huh. of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. Um, when you talk about living the law that they were living under, I mean, there is such a, um, I feel for the Jewish people in that time, you know, because of the way that they lived their lives. I mean, they lived it purely to the best that they could, you know, but what Jesus did for us allowed us to not have to have this perfection necessarily of law abiding um, where we would fall short. He made it where 
we could come to him, where we could have a relationship with him. Um, And I think when we get caught up in the laws of things, we are creating our own bondage. Um, When really Jesus came to to set us free. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's an interesting balance. And of course, um, next week we kind of go into um, we 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 go into this next section which talks about not making a brother stumble, and so it's this whole weird balance between um, really like God knows you, like God knows you, He knows what you need, and He knows what is going to cause you to stumble and fail. You know, mm-hmm. um, this is where you cannot possibly. Um, discount the personal relationship you have with Jesus Christ. Um, it is 100% what you need to be able to determine how you're really supposed to live a pure life before God. Because what may be no big deal for me might cause someone else to have a real problem. And so um, we we live not by a written rule or a written law, but but by the word of Christ and by mm-hmm. his revelation to us. Um, so it's an interesting part of scripture, especially coming from a very strong law abiding Jew like Paul to say, now we operate in freedom, but really the key is we have to operate, uh, by the revelation of Christ, um, as Christians. And, um, I think that sometimes we don't even know that that's something we should be doing. So, um, really great observation. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, I think that we're going to go ahead and. Awesome. We're going to cut to commercial break now because we're excited to hear your testimony. I want to make sure I have the full amount of time for it. Um, So we'll cut to commercial and we will be back soon. I've heard stories from teachers in classes where their students are grounded that they have half the level of referrals for discipline. Some students who were in tears because they were experiencing success when before they were experiencing failure with their behavior and discipline. I've heard stories from teachers with autistic children who have been grounded, where they have less of what they call the meltdowns. And the meltdowns are less frequent and shorter, and they come back into the classroom, and they're learning more than they had learned prior to the grounding. It's amazing what happens, not just with the teacher at the front of the class, but what can happen with the student sitting in the class. And just think if every single student and every single teacher and every single classroom and every single school across this whole world was grounded. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now, so why not save a little bit of your wallet, as well as the landfill. Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal, or overstocked, or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. 
Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out marty.com. Of all the grounding studies, the one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Bagel Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized. And their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is, again, your host, if you're just joining us, Felicia Derosier, my co-host, Cross, and then we've got a special guest with us today. Her name is Lindsay Hansen, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Lindsay. She's 32 years old and was born and raised here in Las Vegas, Nevada. She's a native like me. Just like me. I mean, yeah, but you know, you're younger than us. (laughs) You haven't had a chance to leave yet. For you, it would be an escape. For us, it would just be moving. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Um, She's been a part-time hairstylist for 12 years, and she runs a part-time house cleaning business. She is the preschool coordinator and teacher for her church, church and recently started working with our, our youth group, right, <laughs> right, our church. right, and she is amazing with the youth group. We love her, right? She's fantastic, and um, <laughs> God's given her a heart to serve. She's been married to a wonderful man, Brandon, for three years, and she has a beautiful daughter, London, who is 12 years old. She loves and has a passion for the outdoors, whether it be hiking, camping, fishing, and snowboarding. Um, it's it's in, kind of funny because that's like all the things you hate. No, you like it. You're, you're a scout, but I'm a bit of an indoor cat at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. It's in the mountains where she feels the Lord surrounding her. She became a Christian about eight, at around eight years old, but it wasn't until 2018 that Jesus became her best friend. Um, so I'm going to let her talk a little bit about that. And um, I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we've been trying to coordinate this for a while. And I can't wait to hear you share your testimony and what Jesus has done in your life. So go ahead. The floor is all yours. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad that we were able to work it out. Um, you know, when it comes to, there's a lot of different aspects about um, just the testimony that I have. Um, you know, God has just, been an ever-present, the way that he has, from the time I was young to to now, the way he has affected my life has been continuous. Um, I was born and um, raised in a Christian home. 
Um, however, it, it was a home that had a lot of adversity. It was a home that there's a lot of hostility. Um, I have two older sisters. We all have different dads, which that obviously plays a dynamic into a family situation. And I'm the youngest. So, uh, you know, my dad, my mom married my dad, and um, my other two sisters didn't have uh, the best relationships with their fathers. So there was automatically this tension that was within my family. Um, And then, you know, my parents, I grew up with a lot of fighting. Um, You know, I don't remember too many nights that I wasn't crawling into my sister's bedroom um, just out of fear because my parents were fighting. And I remember it was around eight years old, and it was around the time that I accepted Christ into my heart. You know, I was in Sunday school every Sunday, and we lived to the world. We lived a certain way. Behind doors, it was quite different, right? And so I remember at eight years old, um, my parents were fighting, and I just curled up in a ball on the floor of my room, and I literally felt God hug me. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but I look back on that time. There's nobody else in the room, and it was just this pressing that happened. Um, And in that moment, I knew Jesus was real. In that moment, I knew that God was in every aspect of this, and it gave me a sense of peace and safety. However, Mm -hmm. when you have the hostility and the tension around you on a daily basis, it's really, really hard to live in that, right? And being as young as I was, I was a wallflower. You know, I didn't want to be in trouble. I didn't want to get yelled at. I didn't want to do anything wrong. I wanted to do everything right. So that way, you know, it was just easy. I was the peacekeeper of my family. And growing up in that, um, it was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of... um, I wasn't leaning on God for that. I was leaning on myself. And I didn't realize that, obviously, as a child, that when uh, my parents finally got divorced, I was 14 when they legally separated. I was 15 when the divorce went through. But my dad had moved out. And the tension between my mom and my sister and I, my oldest sister was out of the house. She's 19 years older than me. Um, but the tension that was there between us, uh, it was a hard home to live in, um, in all honesty, you know, and there was a lot of fighting amongst us women. Um, of course, when you get a bunch of women together, there's usually a little bit of tension. Right. right? Um, but, you know, my dad, he was, we have a great and phenomenal relationship today, but at that point he was emotionally absent. He was spiritually absent. Um, He showed up for the things that mattered. He took us to soccer practices. He took us to school, you know, but outside of that, there wasn't this um, protector. And um, so when he moved out, things started to change in my heart, you know, and a lot of it was I got tired of living the perfect life. I got tired of being the wallflower. When I was at school, I was a completely different person than I was at home. So I was like living two very separate lives. And so by the time high school hit, you know, I um, I call it the, the I'm black and white. You know, I don't live in, there's no grayscale for me. And so I went from being this child that never wanted to get in trouble to experiencing what rebellion felt like. 
And there was this power that came with it. There was this sense of control that came with it. And a lot of it boils down to the anger that I had in my heart that I didn't realize that I was consuming and carrying around with me. And so when that started to take place and manifest, um, that's when, you know, I started joining the wrong crowds. Understand, like, I was a soccer player. I played for years. I was phenomenal at it. I was on the Olympic development team. You know, I I had a future, um, but the choices and the decisions that I made um, basically took that all away. And so um, through the influence and through the friendships that I started to develop, um, I quickly got into the party scene, the drugs, the alcohol. um, And I look back on that time, and I don't even recognize who that person was today um, because that is where just so much redemption has happened. Um, But in the midst of that, there was suicidal thoughts. There was depression. There was anxiety. And I was back and forth between my parents' home. You know, I didn't want to live with my mom because she had this law and, you know, she was strict and um, I was rebellious. And so I would go to my dad's house, who was my best friend, and I could walk all over him and, and manipulate him. And so it was, again, I'm living two separate lives in these two separate homes, And I just did not have the answers, you know, and I was not seeking God. In fact, I was angry at him, you know, like, what did I do to deserve this family? What did I do to be put in a place where um, I have to deal with this stuff, right? I was angry. And so um, I ended up, I I give you this quick backstory because it is important. It is a huge part, but I don't want to just stick there because, Um, it's not, yes, God saved me. I mean, there was times where I probably could have been the girl that ended up in the desert. There's times where I could have never made it home. Um, you know, I did act on those suicidal thoughts and God intervened. There was a purpose for my life that I didn't see then. And, um, what happened was the youth pastor at Cornerstone OT, um, he intervened. He, uh, helped my dad find a boarding school for me and um, my dad gave me the choice of getting kicked out or going to boarding school and of course at that time you know I'm like well I'm just going to leave I'm not going to boarding school and so I took the worst option and moved out and at the time I had a boyfriend who was not a good guy obviously Um, and I remember for three weeks I was out of the house and I It was miserable. I was barely eating. Um, I had no money. I had very little clothes. You know, it was like parties every night. And it got to a point, there was just this mundane aspect to it. And that's when I really started to feel um, what I didn't realize then, but the conviction to go back home and ask my dad for a second chance. And so that's what I did. And I asked him if boarding school is still an option on the table. And, of course, like any father, it was. Um, And so next thing I know, I'm in boarding school um, from the age. I I went there when I was 16. I turned 17 while there. It was in Colorado, um, and it was a very strict boarding school, Um, you know, and it focused a lot on structure and um, how to call yourself, how to take accountability for your actions. 
And um, I was one of the first to graduate the program, and, and I ended up, I was out of there by the time I was 18. And so a little before I was 18, I should say. And so I graduated that program. I came home, and, you know, when I was there, I tried. I say I tried because it really, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but, I you know, I talked to the staff, and I had them bring a pastor in, and on Sunday mornings the pastor would teach us, is it 6 in the morning? And we would go, and, you know, like, there was always this um, longing that I had, but I didn't understand it. And when I look back, a lot of it is because of the um, denomination that I was a part of at the time growing up um, that my parents had us a part of. When you talk about laws and rules and all of this, that's what I lived in. And that's why there's no grayscale for me. That's why I'm a very black and white person, because I can put laws on myself because of the way that I was raised. You know, and so the shame and the guilt, I, I didn't know how to walk in freedom. I didn't know how to let go of the things and the choices that I had made. Um, and so the effort was there, but the heart wasn't. My heart wasn't there. And so to fast forward, um, there was a, um, I got pregnant at the age of 20. Well, I was 19. Mm -hmm. I was 20 when I had her. And um, I was obviously not married. And I was uh, living in sin. Um, And again, here I am periodically going to church. I know what I'm doing is wrong. I know, like, the Holy Spirit is talking to me and convicting me left and right about the way that I am living my life, but I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know how to stop. And so um, I was with him for four years, and when London was a year old is when I walked away from the relationship um, because it was a lot of fighting. It was a lot of, um, he's, he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in the things that I was trying and made it very difficult for me to really be able to seek God. But I remember I started this Bible study when I was with him and what caused uh, me to walk away um, was just the way that I was living my life, you know, and I, I'm seeking God. I'm wanting that relationship with God, but I'm just not willing to surrender yet. And so um, right. fast forward to when I meet my husband, Brandon, um, which was actually eight years ago now. Um, at this point, mm-hmm. um, I, I'll put it to you. I, I mean, I didn't drink, do drugs. I was clean up until... Um, about, I believe I was 22, 23, and I met Brandon when I was 25, and for two years, I spent a lot of time going out on the weekends, a lot of time partying. I went back into that lifestyle uh, because, again, when you don't surrender those things, they continue to consume your thoughts and your minds, right? And so when I met Brandon... He, uh, he was not one for that lifestyle. He didn't much care for it. He doesn't really care to drink. So he was different, and he intrigued me. And um, we, he's a forest firefighter, and so he was only out here temporarily for six months. And when he finished up his time here, he moved back to Colorado. And we had a long-distance relationship for about three years. And it wasn't the healthiest okay. of relationships. Um, but when it got to a point after two years of long distance, you know, he said he would never live in Vegas again. 
Um, he hated it here, all of that. So I made the decision to try and moving to Colorado. And at this point, mm-hmm. um, I told everybody it was God. You know, I was starting to go to church more. I was, um, you know, speaking Christianese. I was, I knew all the right things to say and to get people to believe me. This is really God telling me to do this. So much so that I believed it myself. And so I make the move to Colorado. I leave London here. We work it out with the courts, you know, that I'm just going to see if I can make a life for us out there. And, you know, everything was falling into place. Every door was opening. My job transferred, all of this stuff. And so it just, I'm like, this has to be God telling me to do this, right? And so I get out there. And um, first I realized God would never tell you to leave your child somewhere. Um, you know, you don't abandon your right. child, and that's essentially what I did. Even though I was coming back once a month and all of these things, it's still, I was not there for my child, right? So number one, I know that it wasn't God for that reason. Number two, I was the loneliest I had ever been. Um, and I, I, that sounds crazy given everything that I had gone through, but here I am, I have no friends. Um, I couldn't find a church. I was looking. I was going to multiple churches, and none of them, you know, remotely came close to what I needed. And so here the irony in this story is I pull out that same Bible study that I did back when I was with London's dad, and I started it over again. And as Mm -hmm. I'm writing the answers and comparing them to what I had written several years prior, I realize here I am in the same exact spot. Why do I keep doing this? Why is my life like on this revolving circle? And that's when I heard God. That's when he used the fact that I didn't have distraction. He used the fact that I was lonely. He used all of that to reach me. And for the first time, I heard his voice. For the first time, I felt him call me. And so that was the turning point in my life. That was, you know, it's not all the times that he saved my life. It's not... I look back and, of course, I'm grateful. But the turning point in my life was when I finally hit rock bottom, when I finally hit the point that I was tired of living the way that I was living and I was ready to give it all. I was done. And so he abruptly tells me to move back to Vegas. And, I I mean, within two weeks, I left Brandon. I broke up with him. Like, you said you would never live in Vegas. I'm going back to Vegas. This is what God wants me to do, and I'm listening. And I will be honest, this was the very first time. At this point, I am 28 years old, and this is the first time that I had ever been truly obedient to God in what he has told me to do. And so and at the time, right. I thought it was to help my family and be there. I had, you know, a niece that my sister needed help with, all of this stuff. And so I just moved home. And uh, within two weeks, I'm back in Vegas. And I start going to church. I'm in my Bible really for the first time. I mean, like, I'm literally actually reading my Bible. And I'm I'm listening to God. And I'm spending time with God. And he starts growing me, you know, and I remember the first thing that he worked on my heart about was me cussing, the way that I talked, the way that I acted. Right. Um, there were huge convictions for me. Um, and the the desire to even speak a certain way just left me. Um, the desire to drink left me. You know, all of these different things happened. And I remember I was at church on a Sunday morning 
and I went to leave, and the Holy Spirit just stopped me in my tracks. And Carrie, um, Carrie Powell, he told me to go to her and ask her to be my mentor. And so that's exactly, I go right back into church, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, this sounds crazy, but the Holy Spirit directed me to you. I'm supposed to ask you this. And she said yes. And so I started working one-on-one with her. And then um, Pastor Richard, he invited me into uh, their Bible study, um, their weekly Bible study in his home. And so literally this is the first time that, you know, for years I did not get close to Christians within the church because I did not want them to see who I really was. And here I am digging my feet in and letting these people see who I really am, flaws and all. You know, I'm just giving it all and saying, okay, God, yes, I will do that. Yes, I will do that. And um, little did I know, a year later, um, after, and, you know, here I am spending the year growing in my faith, in my relationship with Jesus, um, and I recommitted my life to him, and this is 2018, and, and it was in 2019 that something, I have to be very careful about sharing this because it is not all just my testimony, but it is a huge part of why I am doing the things that I'm doing today and why Jesus is pushing me into the areas that he's pushing me today. And so it is a very important yeah. aspect of my testimony because God does things in our lives that we do not understand them at the time. And we try to figure it out. We'll, we'll say it's for this reason or that reason. And then it could be a year, two, three years down the road that hindsight kicks in and you're like, oh, this is why he did this. And uh, this is how much God loves me is what happened, you know. And when uh, essentially my brother-in-law was arrested um, and it, it had to do with things that um, – sexual and more uh, impurity type things. Um, and right, right. to keep it light, as a mom, you know, I had to step in. And we went through the court system. We went through all of this. And the thing about it was is because for the first time I had a firm foundation in Jesus in the word, in um, what he, I could hear him. I mean, it was like a drop of a dime I could hear him because I had all of that God prepared me for this season of my life. He literally called me home from Colorado back to Vegas for this season of my life because he knows all. And he knew this was coming and he intervened just in time. And he knew that I was going to be placed in a situation where I was going to have to stand up against family. I was going to have to stand up against the enemy, you know, because my fight was not against my brother-in-law. My fight was against what the enemy was doing in his life that was then causing this, you know, complete catapult into our lives. And um, right. I was able to do that because of God, because of what he did in my heart, because of the foundation that I built in him. Um, and so as that happened, and it's still, you know, there's still a lot of brokenness within my family due to this situation, um, but it is allowed – God asked me to step away from my family. He asked me not to be the peacekeeper. He asked me not to be the fixer, that I was to focus solely on my relationship with him and my daughter. And that is what I've done. And in the midst, this is how beautiful and wonderful, and I'll kind of wrap it up with this, but I just want when we go through seasons in our lives that are just, I mean, you 
you're on your knees. You don't know where to look. You don't know what to do, and you just surrender it all, and you give it all to him. There's beauty in the midst of it. You know, James 1, verses 2 and 3, and I think 4, if I remember correctly, were really strong in my life during this point of just being grateful in the midst of what I was going through, which how can a mom do that when she knows things, right, and when she's seen things and um, the hurt that I was feeling, but I was grateful. And in the midst of that, God gave me blessings. You know, right before all of this came out, Brandon moved back to Las Vegas. You know, we had spent six months not talking. We have spent, I had been even, like we were not talking. We were not in relationship with each other. Um, but he had taken time to work on his relationship with the Lord. And in that, he came to Vegas. And he told his mom, if I don't win her back in a year, I'll move back to Colorado. And um, he won me back. And while I was in the season with my family is when he proposed to me, is when God gave me a blessing in the middle of the tragedy. You know, he gave me a person to lean on. He gave me somebody um, to help me and London get through this time in our lives, you know. And uh, I think – For me, my story has a lot about redemption, but it also has a lot about just God chasing us. You know, when we look at it and we we really analyze our lives and the things that the decisions that we've made, the things that we've gone through, we really can see the pursuit that God does for us. And when, you know, it talks about Jesus leaving the 99 for the one, that is exactly what happened in my life, you know, and he never let me go. And I know now in the work, you know, when the church randomly asked me to be the preschool coordinator, I was like, where is this coming from, you know? Um, but it was coming from what God was starting to do in my life, where he wanted me to go. And at the time, I didn't realize that that part of my being at church and that part of my service was then going to lead to me working with the youth, you know? And so it's just, when you choose that obedience, when you choose to surrender it all and the ugly, the good, the bad, you just give it all to him, is when you make room for him to do work in your life, for him to grow you and propel you to what it is that you were actually called for. You know, and recently when I was at camp with the youth, with you, Felicia, um, and just God brought back a memory to me that I had forgotten that I, in elementary school, I was the little girl that was running around at recess chasing people to talk to them about Jesus. And I remember back then there was quite a few prayers I did on that um, playground with people coming to know Jesus. And at youth camp, I had that moment with a young lady, and God gave me that memory back because when we really look at it, God designed us with, with a purpose from the beginning. And God designed me to be bold. He has designed me and gifted me in areas to speak out, to to help others, but to evangelize to other women. And so it's hard for me now as I walk with the Lord to not be excited for just seeing all the things. And it doesn't mean that my life is perfect. It doesn't mean, you know, I still have animosity with my sister. There's still tension in my family and there's pain and there's still hurt. But all of that doesn't compare close to what God is doing in my life and in my heart and the way he's moving us that I know I'm going to be okay, that I know my daughter is going to be okay. 
and so, yeah, it just, the redemption that God has done, but more so just the change he has done on my heart. He turned my heart from stone into flesh, and he gave me a life that I never thought I would have from everything that I went through. He took the shame. He took the guilt. He took all of the decisions that I made, and he turned them into something that I can utilize to help other people. I love it. That was an amazing, amazing story of God's redemption in your life, and that's awesome. Um, and you wrapped up just at the right time. Um, I think we're <laughs> going to go ahead and cut to commercial. And, uh, yeah, I, I told you, I always tell everybody, 27 minutes is a lot less time than you think it is. Yeah. And then they get on air and they go, wow, that just went, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so let's go ahead. we'll cut to commercial break, and we'll come back and talk to you guys um, again. Uh, we'll open up for questions and answers, and if we don't have any further questions for for you and your testimony and stuff like that, we're just going to close up. Then then we will um, start on our regular questions. So we'll be back in about three minutes. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high quality products at low low prices sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out marty.com. Of all the grounding studies, the one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Vagal Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized. And their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Did you know that every time you swipe your debit card, those behind-the-scenes transaction fees make the big banks even richer? In 2016 alone, these fees added up to $60 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. Well, what if there was a way to have the convenience of a debit card, but reroute those fees from the banksters to organizations actually doing good in the world? Organizations that protect the environment or feed hungry children? What if your swipes could literally change the world? 
Well, Groundswell SPC has found a way to do just that. We've designed a Visa debit card program that shares transaction fees with your favorite cause. Groundswell partners with nonprofit organizations that promote the card to their supporters. Their supporters then use the card to power the mission of the nonprofit. It's a win-win-win for everyone, except the big banks, of course. Groundswell is about to launch its first cards into market, and we're inviting you to be part of this movement as an investor in the company. Go to WeFunder.com backslash Groundswell card to learn more. Set up a free WeFunder account and invest in Groundswell today and get your money on mission. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. We are at our Q&A portion of the show. This show breathes by fast. It does breathe by fast. I'm going to go ahead and open up the chat room. If you happen to be joining us online, you can chat with us there. I'd be happy to ask any questions um, of Cross or of myself or our amazing guest, Lindsay, if you have a question there. Also, you can call in. The guest call-in number is 319-527-6208. That's 319-527-6208. Press 1 if you want to talk to us. Yeah, press 1 if you want to talk to us. Um, and that will just, like, put a little raised hand up by your name, and that just lets me know that you're not just listening, but you actually want to talk to us. So, um, Q&A, did you have any questions for Miss Lindsay? Um, what was it like growing up in a Christian household that didn't really act like a Christian household? I, I, um, I'm thankful also to, to let you know that, that that means that you think that we that we act like a Christian household. So that's <laughs> <laughs> be a little crazy over here too but <laughs> no I mean my first part of the answer will be it was hard but truthfully you know now being a parent and everything I look back and I see my parents they tried you know I see the the desire that they both had they just didn't know how to come together as a team um, you know my mom has her own history her own testimony of things she went through that made it in, extremely hard for her to be able to be loved by my dad, you know, and then knowing things about my dad now. But as a kid, it was very hard. It was, um, I grew up like, if this is what Christianity is, I don't want anything to do with it, was the mindset that I had. Right. Right. I I, I hear that. And I think that the thing that, so I grew up um, in a non-Christian household, so I had a very different upbringing. Um, but my but my parents were pretty peaceable. Yeah, they're they're pretty peaceable. Um, they, uh, you know, you mentioned Jesus in the Bible, then right, right. I mean, I'm not going to say that they necessarily get along well, but um, we certainly were not in a abusive type of a situation. There was no abuse going on between them. There was, you know, it was a fairly peaceful household, but certainly not one that was committed and dedicated to Christ. And even as an adult, I find that, you know, um, I guess. I just described it to a friend of mine. My tool belt is sometimes wanting um, that hmm. because I came to Christ later, I never attended church until I was 19. Um, there are whole things that are sometimes missing in your arsenal and you're like, Oh gosh, I just really don't know anything about that. And how do I pass that on to my child as a heritage so that they don't come out of the house as an adult missing those same tools that I'm missing. You know, um, I kind of yeah. described it to a friend of mine the other day. Have you ever seen The Incredibles, the first movie? Yes. 
Okay, so there's a scene in the beginning of the movie where um, Violet is on the plane with her mom, and the plane is under attack. And her mom's solution is for Violet, who has been taught never to use her powers. Um, also, she barely knows how to make a force field. She barely knows how to do anything. She's told that she's supposed to make a force field around the plane. And it's a good idea. It's a really great idea. If she didn't know how, if she knew how to use her powers. If she knew how to use her powers. But she doesn't know how to use her powers, and she doesn't have that tool in her tool belt. So she's trying, but she just, she apologizes to her mom afterwards. She's like, I am so sorry. I just didn't know how. Um, and I kind of feel like uh, the way that you raised this, this upbringing, um, it does affect how you pursue faith as an adult um, because we may be missing things. Um, and that's tough because we're raising kids and the kids don't always understand. Well, how come you like this? Well, I, I just didn't learn that one. Um <laughs> that that cord is not in my fingertips. I, I don't you have learn that how one. to do that. Right. <laughs> and and it's hard for me to pass on the heritage if I haven't learned it myself. And and so it doesn't matter sometimes I think that, you know, if you're in a if you're in a godly household, if you're in a household that's trying to pursue godliness but they're but they're still falling short versus in, in an ungodly household but a peaceable household versus, you know, like um, dad, he, he grew up in a household where he was moved from household to household because mm-hmm. so he spent a good portion of his childhood in foster care. Yeah. Um, and all these experiences shape you. Then as an adult, we all kind of are, are, are missing little parts, and we have to be like, God, help me figure this part out. <laughs> and we all just do the best we can, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, the amount of aha moments that I've had um, – you know, descrambling what I learned growing up and, and actually hearing what Jesus has to say when I read his scriptures, it, there's a lot of aha moments, a lot of like, oh, it's finally clicking, I finally understand. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say in the last six months, I've had two major um, parenting revelations where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that wrong, or oh, oh, I'm like just this completely. I have an adult child. I just look at her. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was still figuring it out. Um, you know, but I still have two two at home still. I've got, you know, a couple who are teenagers and, and maybe I'll have an opportunity to impart some newer wisdom that the Lord is giving me before they get out of my household too, you know. Um, but if not, I'll be a great grandma. You know, I'm still working on it. Jesus <laughs> I don't know. Two teenagers. I I honestly can't even keep track of it anymore because Gen Z keeps like changing the legal age for becoming a teenager. It was twelve, and now I think they moved it to thirteen. Yeah, I mean, I kind of give you credit for being a teenager, but yeah, you're you're not quite a teenager yet, right? I got you for a little longer. I do. I do. Right. Um, so let's let's talk some Q&A here. Can you think of a time when God has asked you to abstain from anything outside of scriptural prohibitions? In other words, it's not that the Bible says you can't do this, but God kind of told you you really shouldn't. <laughs> Can you think of anything like that um, where God's spoken to you? Like, <sighs> I think like, there is one thing. Go ahead, Cross. Go ahead. No, no, uh, I think he was clarifying the question. You go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, 
for me, one thing that I've noticed, especially in the last year or two, where um, it's been music. It's been, I mean, I'm definitely not one to listen to a lot of the, uh, lack of a better word, secular music. Um, But, you know, with having a soon-to-be teenage daughter who, you know, she wants to go to concerts and all of this, there's been a lot of conviction on my heart in regards to a lot of the demonic things that are happening within that culture to stay away from it, to abstain from it, um, and really watch Mm -hmm. what we are allowing in the doors of our house. Right. Right. No, I I think that that's a huge concern. And that's, that's an area, you know, my kids do. They love music, especially Caitlin. She loves music. Um, but um, I basically love whatever, Caitlin, whatever music Caitlin loves. And that, that might be the easy way to go because I'm going to be honest that Caitlin um, ha, has earned a little bit more freedom in the area from us because of the fact that she has a strong discerning spirit. And um, she really does, like, if she feels like it's not godly, she turns it off. Um, Mm -hmm. And that goes movies and entertainment as well. And so um, she has earned a little bit of trust in that area because we really, we, we feel very strongly about things coming in our house that don't honor God. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, books and music, and even, I know it sounds stupid, but mail, I get a lot of mail that's, that goes directly into the trash can outside, um, you know, really because of my family background. So um, <laughs> so sometimes I'll do things that are a little weird, that. and people are like, why? And I'm like, it's, it's just me. Like, you, you don't have to follow this. It's, it's just me. This is what I do to keep myself safe. Um, but, yeah. You mean sane? Safe, sane you know, walking with the Lord, all that. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with that. Like, that we definitely have some um, music. Uh, and, and my husband has a totally different concept of what music for him is okay. And I'm okay with that. Right? That's that's not my issue. That's uh, his issue, right? Yeah. Yep. If he, does, if he does want to listen to something that has a couple curse words, he just goes into his room with his headphones and his tablet and he just walks through. Well, I was about to say, and, and the thing is that my husband's a musician, so he's going to need to listen to things with a broader perspective than I do. I, I'm listening to music for um, entertainment and um, to bring me closer to the Lord, and he's a musician, so he's looking for inspiration in various different places. So that's yeah. why we always listen to a little bit different. That's why whenever we're in the car, we always listen to the Jesus Jams playlist. Jesus Jams, Jesus preserves, right? That's right. <laughs> That's our fun playlist that we listen to, and it's 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 my favorite um, one to listen to. Uh, so, what methods have you used in the past to decide if an activity, a, activity, a, an activity or um, a media was both permissible and beneficial? Just like that verse said, it's all it's something that's allowed, but it's also going to build you up. It's going to be beneficial. Ooh. I think for me, it's a lot of asking if this glorifies God, um, you know, especially when it comes, I am a TV person. Like I've talked to you privately, like, you know, on the side about that before I, I like to zone out from time to time. And so I have to be very careful about the things that I put on TV. And a lot of it is glorifying God. Is this something that I should even be putting into my head? You know, I do a self-analyzing type test 
when it comes to certain things that I'm not so sure about. Um, and I do try to, because of things that I've gone through, you know, there's a lot, I won't watch anything that has to do with drugs. I won't watch anything that has to do with uh, sexual promiscuity, you know, because it's an area in my life, but it's because I know that about myself. It's because God has spoken into that, and it's an area in my life that I shouldn't even open the door again to. And so that's kind of how I keep myself in check is just like a self-analyzing test of will this align with what God wants for my life. Well, and that's that's just, wisdom right there that's that's just you walking in the way that god called you to that's awesome um one of the things i used to lean on really heavily um really really heavily was um when i started thinking about everything is permissible i was i felt like okay so that just means i can do whatever but um i kind of changed my mindset to be like while everything is permissible the first part of of that scripture verse, not everything mm-hmm. is official. And I only have so much time on the earth. And so I decided that I needed to spend my time being um, really, really focused on doing things that were beneficial, not just permissible. Um, so something that was going to simultaneously build me up um, and, and help either, you know, qualify, qualify me for the mission that Christ called me to, um, or just encourage me into uh, serving him. So um, the scripture that I have always kind of leaned on was Philippians 4.8, which says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And Amen. just to focus on not dwelling on anything other than those things that are you know, moving me towards what Christ has for me. Um, so, Cross, you're living in my house. You're young. Mm-hmm. Your birthday's coming up, though. Mm-hmm. How old are you going to be? Twelve. That's exciting. Yep. The end of the month. Yep. Okay. So yep. you you don't get a whole lot of flexibility in deciding a lot of things, right? They can't hear you shaking your head. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, not not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> Now, in the areas that you have flexibility, how do you make decisions? Have you come up with a way yet? What do you mean? Like, like what area? Like when it's, we, we have a lot of downtime, right? And I'm like, oh, just go do what you want to do. You can watch TV or you can read a book or whatever. Usually uh, playing games on my phone. Usually just playing games on your phone for fun. Yeah. And to be clear, he doesn't have his own phone. He's borrowing one of my old ones, right? You need it. Because I'm a mean mom because you will have a phone when you can pay for the subscription of the phone. But you're already paying for the uh, subscription of this one. No, I'm not. No. So it. No, it's just connected to Wi-Fi. If you take it out of the house, it doesn't work. Yeah. I don't really care, though. Oh, okay. That's why. <laughs> it's mine so I can take it away from you when I want to. That's why. <laughs> Lindsay, no, that's true right there, right? Yeah, I'm right. My daughter's gonna be 13 and still doesn't have a phone, so I get it. Our 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 rule is that you get a cell phone when you can buy and pay for it yourself. That's well, our rule. Well, no, I have an old handset. 
when you need one. They never, they, they're mm-hmm. never going to need one, Lindsay. They're homeschooled. So probably when I'm like 13 or 14. When they have yeah, a dog, definitely different. You know, when I'm dropping London yeah. off places to hang with their friends and, you know, they don't have uh, what, <laughs> they don't have those phones just lying around where you put a quarter in anymore. Um, at that point, she will need a phone. <laughs> Right, 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 right. And so that's that's really it. It's like it's like you're always with me or with someone else who has a phone. So it's it's just different. It's just different. I'm a, I'm able to kick that can down the road a little bit, so I do. Um, let's see. Is it challenging not to judge other believers who do not share our personal convictions, guys? Ooh. Ooh. Who's gonna say they're judging McFudgy here? No. <laughs> like judge other people because they don't believe what we believe right well not even like they don't believe what we believe but like okay look so there's christians okay right. and i know i'm i'm, I'm pretty straight laced right yeah okay i i don't partake in a lot of things that i could partake in right um but there's a whole other attitude about how i'm supposed to work with and judge and um measure other christians and if they don't do the same things that I do, am I am I feeling like they're somehow less of a Christian? No, I don't really have any, like, non-Christian friends except for one. No, no, I'm talking about Christians. I know, but... Like, like, do you have any Christian friends that maybe they have a potty mouth or maybe they, you know, do something that they shouldn't be doing, in your opinion... Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I hate to say the potty mouth thing because I feel like that's scriptural, <laughs> that you should clean up well, the way that you're talking. I get what you but, mean, though, because it, even just saying, oh, my God, you know, like that is such a very commonality type thing that scripturally we really shouldn't say it, but, you know, people do, other Christians do. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Uh, I laugh at this because it is very much something that I've struggled with. I think most Christians probably do, but this goes to question one, but also answers this question. And I can't tell you why, but God has asked me to abstain from Disneyland. I've never really been to Disneyland. I, you know, I hear about it. I know all this stuff. For some reason, God just says, no, like not to go, you know, and yet, I see all these Christians going to Disneyland, and I'm like, why can't I go to Disneyland? You know, like, what is it? Um, and so I, I often wonder why, you know, these are areas where you tend to question God. You, you tend to question the convictions that he places on your heart, and you compare them with other Christians, and it puts you in a mindset of judgment, and, you know, and it's that comparison, because the reality is, is we don't know what they've walked through, we don't know what their life is, we don't know why they want to go to Disneyland, you know, Um, so it is an area, I was also raised by very, a very judgmental mom, I love her to to death, but her convictions is everybody else's convictions, and that's how it should be. And so I think there was a lot of time with I spent with God on my pride, on my ego, um, and on my comparison to other Christians to not be judgmental. And through that process is when Jesus really just put a lot of love in my heart. 
And I think love is the answer to this. We love them no matter what because we don't know what God is saying to them, and it's between them and God. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think that so it's really strange, but um, the the movie the the movie conviction for me um, is is really the key. And I um, I I am gonna say my heart goes out to you with the whole Disneyland thing because um, I grew up loving Disneyland, going to Disneyland and stuff like that. And um, I I haven't had an opportunity where I've gotten to pray through that, but I really kind of feel like that's an area of conviction that God's going to put on my heart when I do. Um, I feel like, about not, I, feel like not I have a wild there. stab on why. <laughs> well, we don't want to mm-hmm. analyze that. We won't leave that up to the Lord. Yeah. Okay, do you know what I'm saying? But, like, here, here's, here's what I'm going to say is that, like, Right, 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 right. But but what I found is that for me, so when I had the um, feeling in the heart to abstain from the from you know certain movies, I was in a in communications college. We were talking about how movies impressed upon your um, psyche in different ways, um, how it how it worked in your brain, and how you received what you saw, and. That it was literally in class that the Lord spoke to me and said, "You're not to do this." Um, and I know one of the most godly families I know totally loves horror movies and like to watch it together since like the kids were teenagers. Oh, and, yeah. no, but but no, I wasn't thinking necessarily of them. But yes, okay, they 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 have the same sort of situation. But um, it was it's another family I was thinking of. Um, truly, truly amazing godly family. Um, and they just don't share this conviction. And my my assumption has always been, I never went, went back really and questioned the Lord about it, but my assumption was always just that um, my mind couldn't really take it. Maybe other people's, but, but my yeah. mind and my heart just couldn't take it. And that he knew me, and it was um, a, a limitation for me, as if I was lactose intolerant and I should abstain from milk products, that it wasn't necessarily that the milk products were in and of themselves an experience that was corrupting to everyone, but for me it was a corrupting influence, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so um, like, who knows? That might be for you. It might be for your daughter. It may be for some other reason that the Lord has put it on your heart. Um, but, yeah, I, I know it can be really hard when you see other people um, just really participating in something that the Lord has, has told you is a no-go for you. Well, how come they get to do it? You know? Well, and then having another and, person criticize that, that that has been placed on my heart as if that can't be. And it's like, well, again, this is between me and God, just as your convictions are between you and God. You know, it is hard. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I think that everybody gets that for, you know, again, the movies for whether you're going to va- vacation, uh, whether or not you're going to vacation, mm-hmm. things like um, whether or not you partake in alcohol. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of times that has to do with, you know, um, people being like, well, if you're convicted, maybe I should be convicted. And I don't really want to pray through that and work through that right now. I want to do what I want to do. Um, but also sometimes it could just be that they're operating in freedom and they see it as a weakness. Either way, it's got to be between you and God what he's t- telling you to do, not what we think we should do. Um, 
Let me see here. Actually, okay, so I think you already hit on number five right there, because number five was the question, um, have you ever been criticized for abstaining from an activity or exercising freedom in an area of your life, right? That's good, because we're running over time. Yeah, we are. We're, we're out of time. So um, the only other one that I would mention for people who are doing a study at home is, are there some things that are essential to living a good Christian life? What are those sorts of things? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say, I feel like those sorts of things are really listed in the Bible. If, yeah. it's, if it's essential, it's in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Um, somewhere. And so, um, I'm sure one of the books has to be a guide on how to be a good person. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of laced all through there. But I, what I will say is that um, oftentimes if I'm unsure, I, at, at my age, I'm no longer young and wild. Uh, <laughs> and so I have a tendency instead of leaning on the permissibility of something to say, is it beneficial? Um, and if I'm unsure, I have a tendency to just allow my answer to be no. You know, and maybe I'll get to heaven and God will be like, man, you were such a stick in the mud. You know, but I've got all eternity to have fun in heaven, so it's fine. You know, when God can tell me for sure. I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> but um, I think that's all the questions we have today. Anybody else want to say anything before we head off air? No, I'm good. You're good? Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, it was so good having you. Um, You are a treasure and a gift to our church and our community and our teens, and um, it was really a blessing to hear from you today. So um, thank you for being here. And to all of our audience, we thank you for showing up and listening to us today. You guys have a blessed week. Bye-bye. Bye.